Welcome back to another episode of Ring That Bell Podcast. AJ here. Also with me is Goody. What's up, man? We missed you last week. Hey, it's nice to be back, man. Back in my apartment, ready to rip, rip around. Let's do it. Botak, <laughs> what's up, man? Any big hey, what's hits? Good? Any big hits this week? No, nah, I lost a lot of money this week. I <laughs> was fucked up all weekend. It was a long weekend. <laughs> hey, Alex, man, what's up, man? How's your what's going on? It's been it's been pretty good. I stopped playing. Uh, blackjack on FanDuel, so stop well, a lot good. of my money there. So it's been that's a pretty good, good week so far. <laughs> well, also here we have a special guest, co-host of Babes on Broad and the Madness, Jess Towns. Thank you for joining the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. We're really privileged to have you. Um, so I think we can all agree that last night was a total, total train wreck, right? Oh, it was – it was such a mess, but didn't have to be such a mess. And I think mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's the story of all of our lives. As long as we've been around, <laughs> as long as we've been watching this town, it's like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's always so much harder than it needs to be. And it, that I think is what makes it so painful is that it, it doesn't have to be that way. And somehow it always is made that way. It's Philly. It's what else? Like you said, what else? Um, I mean, you got, Brett Brown continuing to be Brett Brown, and I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, and B, just not getting enough touches. It, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't understand it. No, I, I don't understand. I mean, there's no reason that he goes five for five in the first quarter, and then he doesn't even take how, – I mean, how long did it take for him to take a shot in the fourth quarter? What, nine minutes left in the fourth before he, before he took a shot? I just I, – th- there's no reason that that's acceptable. There's nobody on that roster – Right now for Boston, the only person on that roster that they ever had was Al Horford that was able to stop Joel Embiid consistently. Yeah. I mean, he's really the only person in the NBA that can consistently stop Joel Embiid. So, I mean, Tice is not going to do anything to stop him. Cantor might out-hustle him for a board here and there, but at the end of the day, there's nobody on that roster that's going to actively stop Joel Embiid on either side of the floor. So if he's playing his game on both ends and everyone else around him is doing what they're supposed to do, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to to play with anybody in the league and but where that gets a little hairy is everyone else around him doesn't necessarily always do what they're supposed to do or what they're capable of doing and i think at times you know i've i've tried to talk about this a lot because i, I think joel mb gets a lot of hate sometimes for taking too many threes and doing things that maybe a seven foot 250 pound dude shouldn't consistently have to do 250 is being light yeah and i think more <laughs> of it is I think it's more him not trusting people around him to do their job and him trying to put everything on his back and do do everything to will them to a win because he doesn't trust anybody but himself to get it done. And I think that's what you start to see at different points when he starts to, you know, get down on the block, but he plays for the whistle instead of getting the bucket and maybe also the whistle. So, and the fact that then at the end of the game, he's not touching the ball and the offense isn't running through him after what he's done through the first three quarters I mean, it's unacceptable, and that should be addressed as soon as it's starting to happen. And the fact that it isn't just blows me away. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I I hear you to a point with the the trusting, because there's times where he does put his faith in kicking the ball out, but like you said, they don't do their job. So it's I hear you. So Potok, what were your takeaways negatively on the game? I mean, just like that, the entry passes to the big man were terrible. Al Horford couldn't pass the ball to do anything. It was just 
I don't know. Tobias Harris can't play consistently. What was he, 0 for 5 from 3? He needs to step that up. Ice cold, 13 points. I liked liked seeing, like, Horford yell after he made that layup, even though it was only a layup. But I need to see him do that. He needs to take control over his former teammates. So, I want to see more out of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. You would think that Horford playing against these dudes for, what, two years would know – at least give our guys some advice of what to do and then – Looks like he just didn't do any of that. Goody, how about you? When it comes to Joel, I feel like I feel like he did what he could. I feel like Brett did not put him in the positions that he needed to be. Like he would every time he would touch the ball, there was just guys swarming him. Um, I think we need to, you know, just get like a back screen or something to get him open in space. Like I feel like spacing is is really key. And it just it wasn't there. And in the first, like like we like we said in the first half, he was he was dominant. Nobody like Daniel Tice. That dude. That dude's that dude's shit. He can't stick Joel. So I um, the fact that we got away from him in the fourth quarter made absolutely no sense to me. Um, Al Horford literally made the same turnover two or three times. They brought a double to him, and like it was like I was watching a replay. He just threw it into the guy's hands. Um, to only score six points against your former team and to be a minus 18 in his plus minus, Horford needs to be better for the money that we're paying him. Tobias came up short. Um, he, most of his points were in the first half. Um, no, no outside threats other than Alec Burks and, and Josh Richardson a bit. There's just so much negative that I can't even like put into words. We need to uh, – a lot to fix for Wednesday for sure. I thought Shake showed some promise, though. He was a little shaky he, to start off, was, but he showed some confidence. He was, he was cooking a little bit from three, um, but he's not a point guard, and I think we should we should see that at this point. He 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 doesn't look to distribute. He he can't do an entry pass or anything like that. He looks to score, and he he's a he's a two guard. It is what it is. I don't know. Yeah. Rep Brown needs to figure this out. I I agree a hundred percent. But you going know? off the the Horford topic, yeah, I think the one point in the game in the first quarter when they had. Horford posted up and had Embiid at the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Embiid himself cut and had that wide open that wide open lane to dunk. I feel like that's something they should start doing more with the high low with them too, having one of them cut and one of them in the post because their center is not going to follow either of them out to the perimeter. So they're going right. to have lanes to cut. But that also would have constituted as an in-game adjustment, and you know that. <laughs> You you already know. Like I, you, you already know that's not going to happen. We've seen it happen very rarely. Like the in-game adjustments are not that – I mean, maybe we'll do – we'll pull a Brooklyn Nets and they, you know, lay a dud in game one and then they come out and, then, and they look like a completely different team. But also, like, this team is not the Brooklyn Nets and, and they have something to prove, especially with the injuries they have. And, you know, they're, they're – as much as we are the underdogs, like they, I think, have a little bit of that underdog mentality because once, you know, Kyrie left, people kind of wrote them off. Is Kemba a star? Is Kemba not a star? Like, what can Jason Tatum do? Does he have a ceiling? And so many different things. Like, I think they're kind of taking in that role and everyone, you know, all the guys they lost in free agency from Al, Hor- Al Horford to, to Morris and then Kyrie leaving and whatever – you know, I don't think the same thing is going to happen, but you, you know the in-game adjustments are not Brett Brown's forte. No. Offen- offensively and defensively. He messes it's up on both so ends of the court. It's absolutely brutal. 
See, like, one thing that I thought yesterday is I thought the Celtics just had such a better intensity than the Sixers, which was, like, really getting on my nerves. There was a point, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter, where Boston was just just eating us alive on the offensive glass. And there was a couple mm-hmm. stretches where they just got an offensive rebound after offensive rebound. And I just wanted to yep. see a little more emotion out of the Sixers, like some intensity, like an underdog mentality. But I just didn't see that. And I thought they just had like a lackadaisical attitude, which was like kind of pissing me off. That's you, you have the, the offensive when you have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you have the longest team in the league, you shouldn't – that that should not happen there's no excuse like you need to it's it, that's all hustle right there yeah and I was thinking yesterday I think if the Sixers honestly had a little more hustle and a little more heart they 100% could have won that game easily, you know, easily with or without Brett Brown being a total idiot yeah <laughs> despite him yeah I mean right. if they yeah. if they stop turning the ball over and they grab a couple more offensive boards and or even you know stop letting the Celtics get second chance points just by watching the ball and waiting for it to land in their lap instead of going up for a board. I mean, they win that game. No problem. There's no reason they should have lost that game. Even looking at the box score, when you see Furkan Korkmaz didn't take a shot, (laughs) Scott had zero points. Like, I mean, even, even with those things, they still should have won that game. So if you can adjust for game two, there's no reason this shouldn't at least be a competitive series, if not a series win. Right. Um, so I think we can all say we're all miserable that we fucking lost that game because, like you just said, we easily could have won that game. There was spurts of that game where it looked like we were in control, that it was our game. Yep. Um, so we touched on all the negatives. I'm going to bring up a positive of my own, um, just Dival's defense on Tatum. He, he – he, to me, is already an all-pro defender in the little amount of time he has. It's mm-hmm. – his change of speed reaction is just something I've never seen. He can go from one – just one position to another in a like on a dime like that. Just keeping Tatum two for nine, four points, I think with Brett, if he makes adjustments – <laughs> would not let that man leave his side. Like, he did. He played 33 minutes last night, but it didn't really show. I would have him more 37, 38, have Horford come off the bench. Um, that's just my opinion. Jess, how do you feel about any of the positives or anything about that? I agree, because I think the biggest thing there is is, is what I said before. And, you know, if, if anybody follows me on any sort of social media, I'm the biggest Ben Simmons stan alive. And I will die. Same. On Same. I will die. We'll die and I love, I love that Tatum tweet, too. <laughs> you know what? And I stand by that. I, he is the worst. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'll stand by Ben Simmons until the end of time. No ma- I mean, I hope it's always in a Sixers jersey, but no matter what color jersey he's in, I will stand by that dude. Um, but the biggest thing that I knew that we were going to be missing is, I mean, obviously like he can get you a sneaky triple double and like, you, you don't even know that it happens. Like the season opener, when they played the Celtics, he led all scores with, I think he had 24, 26 points. And like, it it didn't even seem like that. He didn't take a jump shot and he still led all scores. And I think had like, you know, eight, eight boards and six assists or something, you know, like that's just a usual kind of stat line for him. But I think where they miss him most is obviously that lockdown defense 
and it's the the hustle on the offensive boards. There's no one that's gonna gonna crash the glass the way he does, but it's it's that defense on anybody. The, the, the biggest strength he has is that he can guard one through five. And the fact that he can shut down guys like like Tatum, like Kemba Walker, if, if Kemba's the one who's all of a sudden going off and they have to make an adjustment where he moves over there. It doesn't matter who he's guarding. He's going to be able to shut that person down. And with Jason Tatum, going back to how soft he is, he, I mean, it, there was, there was some tweet about it the other day or some video that he was whining that he doesn't get the superstar calls. Yeah. You're I not saw a superstar, that. You don't deserve those calls. But the, <laughs> part of the problem is he is going to whine for every call he doesn't get. And he's going to whine for every call that's called against him. So it doesn't matter what he does. He's always going to be in the official's ear crying, 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 crying. And that's the thing about him that I can't stand. Obviously his offensive game speaks for itself. It, it, no one can argue that, right? But I can't stand the way that he's constantly going and going and going and going. And the great thing about when they play the Celtics and Ben Simmons is in the game is he's holding him to that a similar stat line that Thibel did and it frustrates him and he gets in his head and it just, then he can't do anything. And you saw that a little bit. You saw glimpses of that when Matisse was on him. So I agree completely that, you know, I, I still am a fan of Al Horford coming off the bench, you know, regardless of his, of his paycheck. Um, but I think Matisse gives you a little bit something different and just being that little bit of a pest. Now, the only thing he has to work on and has continued to work on throughout the season is, you know, he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt with those calls. If it's, if it's questionable ball, maybe a little bit of hand or arm got in there as well. He's never going to get the benefit of the doubt from that. He's always going to get called for that. So you run the risk of him being in foul trouble by, you know, three minutes into the second quarter. That's, you know, the, the toss up that you run because with Ben Simmons, he does get the benefit of the doubt from a lot of those calls. A lot of calls that Matisse, you know, gets the foul called on him. If Ben made the play, he wouldn't get the foul called on him. So it, 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 it's kind of a catch 22, but I think that anybody that can frustrate Jason Tatum to just throw a wrench in their offensive game a little bit is something that has to be done. Now see me, these guys will tell you I'm not the biggest Ben Simmons stan. Um, I think I think he's good. I don't think he's great yet. He's not reaching his potential because of the obvious jump shot situation. Sure. But for anyone who says this team is better suited for this series without Ben Simmons is just a smacked ass. Like nah, they're they, they, they clearly yeah. are full of shit. You miss yeah. him defensively. You miss the ball handling situation because besides him, you don't have a true ball handler on this team. That and he pushes the floor. And he pushes the floor. And realistically, in this series, I feel like he would help Joe so much because of that situation. He would be giving him passes through the entries that these guys can't do. Um, I, I don't know. I've seen, your, I've seen your tweet saying you want to trade Dane, uh, Ben for Dame. I got my Ben Simmons no black over there. I don't doubt. Know. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. There's not one player in the NBA that I want enough to give up Ben Simmons for. Not one. Really? I'm on the same boot. Not one. Wow. Not one. Damn. Oof. I like not Ben. I don't, I don't think I like him that much. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think there's I think there's about a good ten to ten to twelve players that I'd take over him in the in a heartbeat. Not one. Because his yeah. his ceiling is so high. See, I, how about Kawhi Leonard though? But his stubbornness. Oh. 
There's his stubbornness has shown much. that he's not looking to change his game at all. I, I don't agree with that. Okay, explain Neither why. I don't agree with that because I, I don't know if it's stubbornness or if it's – I mean, okay, think about this. He's been playing basketball his entire life, right? And he's been playing mm -hmm. basketball one way his entire life. Have you ever tried to change a habit that you've had for your entire life? To win, to, to win something? But yeah. wait, but Get wait. better at something, yes. You're, sure. But he also is it's, – it's not that <laughs> – I'm trying to figure out the best way to articulate this. <laughs> His – he's always looking to make the best basketball play. And if he thinks that – like he's, he's not confident enough in that shot that he thinks that's the best basketball play. And I just think that – are there – do I think his, he's hurt his team by not having a jump shot? No. But do I think that the team would be better if he did have it? Yes. Would the team improve with him shooting? Yes. Has he hurt the team and things have happened that would have been changed by him actually having a jump shot? No. I mean, if you want to look at something that you maybe can point to, it's the Celtics series, his rookie year. But is that series really going to change if he has a jump shot? I mean, yes. they, got, they got smacked up and down the floor. <laughs> they got smacked up and down the floor in, in every position. Ben shooting doesn't change that series. I believe it does. It does not does. change that series. Maybe makes it go one game longer. Instead of it being a gentleman sweep, it goes to six. It was four to one. I disagree with that statement. I, I just, really I mean, Al Horford dominated Joel Embiid completely. I'm pretty sure Al, I mean, Al Horford was shooting like 40-some percent from three that series. He was playing out of his mind. I mean, we need that now. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> that Al Horford. But yes. I, I think that – and that's also – I mean, you look back and it's also his rookie year. Like, was it embarrassing that there was a game he only scored one point? Of course. I, I'm not going to disagree that it wasn't an absolute mess that he – you know, I, I agree. But I don't think anything over the last couple years would be different if he had that shot. Because he's still able to take over a game when he wants to without one. Um, I just see it as I'm not looking for a three ball. You have the whole city looking for a three ball. I don't need that. Give me an eight to 12 foot jump shot. Sure. That is that they're giving you. You take that, they have to respect you, and then they let the lane opens up. That's what I want to see. Sure. Um, but the I haven't saw. The one thing that's tough is if shooting's not a part of his game and he's not fully confident shooting, then why does he have to shoot the ball? Because just after watching the Bucks game today, Giannis has taken all those shots. He's taken a bunch of threes, a couple mid-ranges, and they were just bricks. And I'd rather he can't shoot. my player not shoot and, you know, work to his strengths than force up a bunch of shots that just aren't going in and then just bring yourself into a deeper hole. So I think it's more of I want to see Ben be more aggressive, drive down lane, and in that aspect, then just seeing him shooting. Because, I, I mean, I don't think him being a shooter is that important as it's made out to be. You also just said that Giannis can't shoot, yet he's about to possibly win a second MVP. And they're, you know, they were a finals favorite going into this right. year. He's exactly. a yeah. year and just started shooting. And his three-point shot's atrocious. No matter, I don't care. Like, watching today, it was, it was terrible to watch. It was three for seven from three, 12 for 25 from the floor today. <laughs> That's Jeez, way too many. Real, let, let, let me jump in. I, 
Um, Jess, I kind of agree with you because I don't think shooting's the big thing. I think with Ben, it's aggressiveness, like Alex just said. I think he needs to attack, and sometimes he gets to the rim and he like spins and passes out to a guard on, on the perimeter. And I think it's just he really needs to have that dog mentality. And that's the only thing I, for me, when it comes to Ben, I'm all in on Ben, but I think just I think he needs to have a little bit more of that. Yeah, I still wouldn't trade him for anybody though. <laughs> but but hold on, not Kawhi Leonard, not De- not Devin Booker. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. I don't think I would trade him for Devin Booker. Nah, I, not Devin Booker, but Dame Tom, definitely. Dame Tom's about to be like 30. Isn't he 30? No way. Yeah, I think he's starting to get up there. I think he's starting would... to get up there. My man's put my man put up like 40 something in the, in, or what was it, 35 <laughs> in the bubble? I don't, that, that age is nothing. Hey, you can score as many points as but, you want, but you still got to win. Uh, I hear you, but you can say the same thing about the Sixers and Embiid and, and, and Simmons. You know what I mean? I know he's had more time, but going off the circumstances. But what I'm saying is I'm not saying that I don't think Ben is good or has a future because I think his ceiling is sky's the limit. I just think he's not pushing forward to that potential anytime soon. Like, I haven't seen anything besides different. different. But defensively, I have. Offensively, it's been He's the same since. Offensively, it's been the same since his rookie year, in my opinion. I, I really haven't seen any improvements offensively. The offense also hasn't improved as, as a whole. It hasn't grown. It hasn't molded. It hasn't done anything since. And, and I and I agree. And I feel that Elton Brand has constructed this roster completely horrible for for Ben and Embiid's uh, benefit. So I, I just. It, it, it's bad. I mean, the guy that was supposed to be their shooter didn't take a shot in the first playoff game. Like, the guy who was supposed to be created. <laughs> the bomber. The shooter. <laughs> He's the bomber. He yes. He didn't shoot. <laughs> like, that's – like, that is – like, that's case in point about what's going on with the roster. Like, there was – I forget who put out the tweet the other day, but there was one – it was talking about the Heat, and it was like – the Heat shouldn't have had as good – like, there's no reason the Heat should have had as good a season as they did, but the way that their roster is constructed, you have Jimmy Butler, who, like, can't really shoot the three ball as well as many people like to talk about that he can. And he takes a lot of shots, but sometimes he's inefficient. And then Bam Adebayo, who's a big center and good at what he does, they've surrounded them with shooters. That yep. is what Ben and Joel need. Like, I think they need to absolutely fire Brett Brown – try something new from a coaching perspective way before they try to blow anything else up. I'm, I'm all for getting rid of the coach um, instead of getting rid of Ben and Embiid. Um, I was watching the rights of Ricky the other day and they had Zach Lowe on and he still like, and I agree with his point. He still believes that they can win a championship with them too. And I agree as well. And he said exactly what we said. They construct this roster so poorly. It's, it's a sin. And my thing is, one, everyone's in love with Elton. Great guy. Same thing with Brett Brown. Great guy. I just don't think you can continue this journey to a championship with Elton. His only experience beforehand was with the Blue Coats. Like, you can't have it. If you're going to start over with a new coach, you need to start over fresh with a new GM, a new coach. You got to get Colangelo's guys out of the front office. Until that happens, this team is not going to compete for anything. Because they believe in bigs, 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 bigs. They don't believe in shooters. They don't believe where this league's going. 
And with that, with that sight in mind, it's just never going to go anywhere. So who would you have come in as – who would be your dream coach? All, all 50 that was my question. doesn't we, matter if you're taking them from somewhere or if they're actually free agents and available for a coach. So, who would be so, your number one choice? So, Goody, did you not listen to last week's episode yet? Because if you, nah, you said I was wondering really. – Come on, dude! Are you joking? Um, <laughs> not it. I, I said busy. last week on the on the podcast. Um, I'll just name the guys. Uh, I actually wrote a blog earlier this week. Um, Jay Wright's my either. number one. He's he's my number one. He's going to be my number one. I'm a UNC fan, but I am obsessed with Jay Wright. I got my Nova I, championship shirt <laughs> on right now for you, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think he's he's just the perfect coach for the situation. Laws Philly. But he doesn't have any experience. You say you want to bring in a winner to win right away. Would he be a winner right away? I didn't say that. But they have to win now. If you bring you want to bring in an inexperienced coach to lead these young guys who really need to get to where they need to be. Hold up, hold up, hold up real quick. Um there's uh, plenty the, of examples. Celt- Brad Stevens. Celtics, yeah, you got Nick Brad Nurse Stevens. who never was a head coach. You got a bunch of guys like that. Steve Kerr. Yeah, Steve Kerr never yep, coached. Yep. Yep. Tyler doesn't really count because you don't really count as a coach when LeBron is on your team. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah um, no way. But, yeah, Jay, Jay Wright's my number one. Um, he's got a love for the city. He loves he loves Ben and Joel. Talk highly of them all the time. Um, and I think everyone says he'll never leave Nova, but he's said that he wants to coach an NBA at some point. And I think the one job he's waiting for is the Sixers. If the Sixers come knocking with a good offer, there's a chance he leaves. Although, 100%. Wait, I don't think so Jay Wright will ever leave Villanova. There's no way in It came out of the horse's mouth that he wants to be an NBA coach at some point. What horse? Got it too good. Way too good. <laughs> Jay himself. <laughs> I don't know. They've got a couple good recruiting classes lined up for the next couple of years. Yeah. yeah. He's like set. He's like the king of the campus. Yeah. He could do whatever the hell he wants. He's going to be there for the rest of his life. I don't know. Well – Regardless, that's my number one. And then I got Tony Bennett from Virginia. Love him for the same exact reasons as Jay Wright. I think they're very similar coaches, all about demeanor, all about grittiness. That's what this team needs, somebody who's going to get in your ass when you're not doing right. Um, and if we're going NBA assistants or coaches or whatever, I like um, Wes Unhel- uh, Unsell Jr. from uh Denver I think he's I think he's got it he's helped that Denver team go from a bottom feeder defensively to top 10 the last three years he's said by many many coaches that he's a very 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 good development developmental coach of young talent and I just I just like what a lot of things I'm hearing about him um how about how about you Jess who would you bring in So for me, I think, you know, the first thing I would want to do is get as far away from the Greg Popovich tree as possible. Although an interesting idea would have been Ime Udoka or even giving Becky Hammond a shot. Love her. I would love to see what she could do, but I really would like to get away from the pop tree. I think everyone's kind of scarred from the pop tree for just a little bit of time. Um, a guy who really intrigues me is Stan Van Gundy. And I say that because he has NBA head coaching experience, but also, I mean, let's Andre Drummond according to Joel Embiid is a bum and he's not wrong but when Stan Van Gundy was his head coach Andre Drummond was an Mm all-star so I think that that's a really interesting I just I hesitate to to 
go for the college coach because the last time that happened in this city, it was a guy by the name of Chip Kelly, and we know how that went. Oh, it's a total different sport, but I hear it's a total you. different sport, but I just think, like, I'm, they are so close. Like, they are not super far away. They're, they're not a young team that was just drafted who won 10 games last year that needs to figure out how to play basketball in the NBA. They know how to play basketball in the NBA. They need someone to make it work the right way. It's not like they don't have all of this time for not only this young team to they, – they need to be able to mesh better, and they don't have time to wait for a rookie head coach to figure out how to coach in the NBA. I think they that's don't have really time for point. it, and we sitting here do not have time for it. I do, because yeah, I know – I mean, another – the last coach I think that just came from college was Beeline from Michigan, and I know he went to the Cavs, but that was just a shit show. Yeah, that was a mess. That, that just blew up right in, you know, the Cavs and his face. So, I mean, I, there, there is a little hesitation with a college coach just because I think the transition is is different, and it takes a little time to adjust, and I feel like – Sixers fans in Philadelphia, they're just so impatient. Like, it, it something's got to give. And I think with Jay Wright, I think he's really good at taking 18-year-old kids and turning them into players who are ready to go to the NBA, but also, like, turning them into young men. He's not taking, yeah. like, young men and teaching them how to be grown-ass adults in the NBA. Like, that's not what he's done. And do I think that he could do it? Probably, yeah. If I was going to name a college coach, I think it would probably be Jay Wright. But it's it's so different. And and the one thing with with Beeline in in Cleveland was he the player said he was treating them like children and yeah. yelling at them and talking mm-hmm. to them like children. And these are like can can you imagine if like he came in and tried to talk to like Al Horford like that? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? No, no way. It just. Yeah. It just it's that's that's the only thing that I get nervous with and if you're gonna waste more years of Joel and Ben when they're young in their prime if you're gonna waste more years of that it better be for someone who knows what they're doing and not for an experiment yeah did Jay, did Jason Kidd get signed as an assistant for the Knicks because I thought that was an interesting name but I'm not sure. Nah, I saw something that they're interested. I don't know if he definitely got signed, though. That's not I official think, yet, no. I, th- I think kid working with Simmons would be intriguing. Yeah. That is a fair point. Um, it would be. I just, like we said on last week's episode, I just don't want someone who's recycled. I really don't. Um, so Apparently the Pelicans are, are focused on Ty Lue, Jason Kidd, Kenny Atkinson, and Jacques Vaughn as possible replacements for Alvin Gentry. People yeah. tried Yo, saying they want Alvin Gentry here. Nah, I want no I parts of him. No. Absolutely none. <laughs> no, like, where the Sixers you. went wrong was not firing Brett Brown last year and keeping Monty Williams. That's who I really wanted to be here for the future. Agreed. Because he, he, you heard the players on and off all the time. They related with him so much. They were friendly. Not friendly with him, but they had a good relationship with him. They said that he held them accountable for things. Like, I, I just don't. I don't get it. Accountability is the biggest thing. I think they're just babying too much. I agree, and and Brett treats all of them. Brett treats all of them like friends instead of his. He's a, really his employees. Like he's a, he's at a times, Yeah, which <laughs> you can't have, especially especially need, with the guys we have, man. I need to nurture. I need to nurture a bomber. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so 
All right, so big news. Gordon Hayward out for four weeks, grade three strain, uh, ankle, uh, ankle sprain. Um, what do we think about it? What, what, how, do, how do we feel this is going to be moving forward? Do you think it's going to help the Sixers? Do you think it's going to stay the same? Do you think it benefits Boston? Uh, what do you guys no. think? Yeah, Jess, what do you, what do you think? I want to get your opinion first. Um, I think, I mean, any sort of injury, sh I mean, should help the Sixers. Obviously you'd never wish an injury on someone to, to mm -hmm. give you a reason to win. But, um, I mean, I think he, he hit a couple of the, his, his buckets late. He only had 12 points, but I mean, a couple of them were, you know, second half into the fourth quarter when they needed buckets and they were just automatic from him at the time. It gives them one less person that they have to, to really worry about, um, and it's just going to kind of, it's going to put more on, on Jason Tatum. So it's going to, it'll just kind of, kind of depend. It does. It's not, I mean, it's not one of those things where I'm like, oh yes, now the Sixers can win. It's kind of indifferent, but you know, in theory, any injury should help the Sixers win, but I don't really think it changes much. To be honest. Okay. See now I'm, I don't think it's an amazing change, but I think it, it changes the series in the fact that, you you could see within the first, I would say, half how much of a mismatch having Gordon Hayward on the floor was compared to having somebody like a Marcus Smart mm -hmm. offensively. Defensively, Hayward's eh. Smart, if you have a full game of him, it's going to be a defensive battle. But offensively, I just think it changes tremendously. I think it puts more pressure on Tatum and Brown, which – studs they're both studs but if the focal point on offense are just them two you can plan for just them two having a Gordon Hayward as well to worry about offensively kind of throws you for a loop in my opinion what about you Potok I, I think it'll be interesting if Jalen Brown or Tatum gets in foul trouble but I agree I still think we're underdogs I think if they have to start really diving into their bench wing players I think that's where it can benefit us but I still think Kemba, Tatum, and Brown are too much to really handle for that to really make a huge difference with Hayward being out. Well, I just see it as for our defensive pairings, I think yeah. that Marcus Smart is an easier guard than Hayward, which will help us a lot in this series. For sure, but Smart still finds a way to hit like <laughs> three or four threes a game when he plays us. Not yesterday. <laughs> Not yesterday. But <laughs> random games, he'll do it. Yeah. How about you, Goody? I'm with you, Ashley, AJ, for once. Um, I don't – I mean, you're, you're taking 17 and a half points out of their starting lineup, and you're replacing it with Marcus Smart, who is not an offensive threat like he is. And um, I just feel like – actually, like Jeff said, I don't want to ever wish injury on somebody, but I feel like it will help us, and it evens the playing field a bit because we don't have Ben. Um, I, I, I think it's a big deal. I do. And um, I think we're going to – this all comes down to Brett making these things called adjustments that we don't know – we don't think he can do, but we will see, you know. Yeah. How about you, Alex? What, what do you feel about it? It makes no difference. And, no? I mean – I mean, an injury to a starter is going to make a difference it, it at is, some point. It has to. It has to. It also it makes no difference. It's Gordon Hayward and the Celtics still have a lot of good wing talent. 
and Brad Stevens can make the adjustments to play without him in the lineup. And they've used, they're used to not having him in the lineup. I mean, he was gone for a while. So I think they just have the advantage because Stevens can just make the adjustments for Such his team and coach. put them in the best, you know, best chance. They'll give them the best chance to win. So, I mean, yeah, it is like 17 points coming out of their lineup, but realistically speaking, it really is not going to make a difference at the end of the, at the end of the day when you're looking at the bigger picture for this whole series. So, well, I hope it does. So, (laughs) I mean, I wish it, I wish it does. Like, I mean, but I don't know. I just feel like them platooning smart who I don't think they're going to give 35 plus minutes with a, with a Robert, with a, with with a, with a Grant Williams um, platoon. I just don't, I just think it makes a difference. I, I, I just really do. I say we win tomorrow. Yeah, I, I say so too. And yeah. I think I, I think they do come home with a W tomorrow. And I think they win in six. Sixers in six, baby. What's everybody's opinions on this series? They're not coming home with a dub. They'll stay in the bubble with a dub. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what do you think? What, what do you think about the series? Where do you think it's going? I mean, so over the past like couple weeks I've done a really like I've really focused on like getting like the Philadelphia like bias out of my head and like thinking like we have a chance like I've been trying to think as clear as possible so it's like Celtics in five that's just what I honestly think like I I I just don't see it with this team and I'm tired of putting myself through this continuous ringer of me thinking the Sixers have a chance and just setting myself up for disappointment so I'm like so bitter right now with this team and just like the whole Brett Brown situation. Like I, I just, I'm counting them out. And I hate to say that. Like, I hate to say that, but that's just, you hate, you hate to hear it. What do you think? Essentially the same thing with Celtics and six for the same. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm I'm frustrated as hell. So yeah, you you guys hear it. You guys suck. For real. When they win, when they win, when they win tomorrow and, when you when they win tomorrow, you guys are gonna be so excited. Sixers and six, Sixers and six, Sixers and Yo. six. Probably, <laughs> probably. Jess, what do you think? I've never once in my life picked against a Philadelphia sports team. I'm not going to start now. <laughs> they could. I mean, I, I'm like they they could start the season like 0 and 81 in that 82nd game. I'd still be like, they got this one. <laughs> Damn right. That's <laughs> who I am. Sixers and six. That's what I'm saying. Let's go. How about you, Goody? Sixers and six. I mean, I've started this whole thing. I, I jumped on the Ring the Bell, That Bell podcast and, and tweeted Sixers and six. Um, we got this. They We're going to win tomorrow. <laughs> Brett's going to – I feel like Brett – Really did make some good adjustments last year in the Toronto series. Um, I feel like Toronto was a better team, and we we, we pushed it to the end. I think he's gonna make. I, I, he sucks. He does, but I feel like he's gonna <laughs> he, he's gonna he's gonna do enough to make this a series, and I think we pull it out, especially with Andres Sixers and six. Let's go. If Brett doesn't call timeouts when we're on a run, when he doesn't take our best big man out when we're on a run, mm-hmm. and when he starts feeding our big man, the ball, more off of plays and screens and sets. Yep. I think we have a really good shot of this series. But will he change yep. those aspects? I don't know. But we got to Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. <laughs> All right, so let's take a quick second and say where for our, uh, our sponsor. If you're looking for somewhere to watch our boys win this series against Boston, head out to Brickhouse Bar and Grill. 
They have some great food, beer bucket specials, and awesome atmosphere. If you go, look for Steve, the owner, and tell him you're a listener of the podcast, and he'll hook you up. All right, so this week's Ring That Bell podcast draft segment, we'll be doing the best three players from Philly or Boston, injured or active. So that means Ben Simmons is in play. Um, Gordon Hayward is in play. Um, ladies first. Jessica's the first pick. Then we'll go – no questions. Damn. <laughs> then we'll go. Po- <laughs> then we'll go. Potok. Then we'll go. Me. Then we'll go. Alex. Then we'll go. Goody. Anybody writing this down? Uh, I'll write them down. I'll right, go. Cool. Ta- I'll go. Tatum. All right. So, um, Jess had Simmons. Jess loves Simmons. Potok. <laughs> Tatum. Biggest support system. I'm going Embiid, obviously. Alex, go ahead. Mm. Why do I get fifth? I'm so mad at you're goody bias. and you missed last week's episode. True. <laughs> I'm going to take Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. Yeah. Next best option. Goody, go ahead. Uh, it's Kemba Ka- still there, right? Yep. Give me Kemba. Kemba, and it's it comes back to you. Give me Tobias. Tobias. Alex. Hmm. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Jay Rich. Okay, Jay Rich. I'm taking uh, Gordon Hayward. Oh uh, shit! Ah uh, fuck! <laughs> uh, t- just give me fucking Shake Melton. <laughs> what are you? What's what's wrong with you? <laughs> Who? Matisse Thibel. Matisse. All right, Matisse. Then it comes right back to you. Ah, shit. Um, <laughs> oh, give me Alec Burks any day of the week. Ooh, okay. Solid pick. You needed some shooting on that team. For real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Poe's <laughs> out. Um, give me four Cork mods, I guess. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, are you trying to pick the worst team? <laughs> I needed oh, a bomber. Oh, a bomber. <laughs> um, man. I hate I, I, didn't, I didn't want to pick too many Celtics. I hate, I hate to do it. But I got to, I got to go. I got to go Marcus Smart. Uh, got to give me that defensive presence. They're taking a scumbag and they're coming at me for my pick. God damn right. <laughs> I'm trying to win three drafts, baby. I'm the, I'm in the league. Is this my last pick? Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm taking uh I'm taking Taco. <laughs> <laughs> Great pick. Dude's you might win off of that pick alone. Dude's not even dressed. What are you talking about? Hey, still <laughs> on the roster. Yeah, still on the roster. Yeah, good. Lace the final pick. He'll be a give menace me on a three on three game. Mm. Shit. Day, give me baby. give me big Al. Give me big Al. <laughs> all right so we got jess with simmons matisse alex burks we got potok with tatum shake and Corkmoss with absolutely no height we got (laughs) me with Embiid, hayward and marcus smart we got alex with jalen brown jay rich and taco falls which lt 
Great he might team. win off of Taco Falls alone. And we yep. got Goody with Kemba, Tobias, and Big Al, which is actually a pretty decent squad. Squad, that's a three and three team right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week's episode of Ring That Bell Podcast. Um, thank you again, Jess, for joining us. We Absolutely. really appreciate it. It was fun. Anytime. If you ever want to come back, just let us know. We'd be happy Thanks, to have Jess. you. Thank you. Thank you guys. All right. See you. All right. See you. See you guys. Peace. Thank you for listening. 76ers play by play announcer. He's locking on.